0: Welcome to the Dallas-Based Innovators Podcast. I'm Andrew Louder, founder and CEO of Dallas-based consulting firm Louder Co. There's so many great people innovating in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. This podcast aims to highlight them, the amazing things they're doing, and get behind the scenes on their approach and on them personally. At my company Louder Co., we're the innovation specialists business leaders turn to when their organization must perform better. Artificial intelligence, business transformation, and venture building projects are usually very stressful. Not with us. We believe your business will soon begin losing without an AI strategy. We create AI strategies to accelerate operations and create revolutionary new technology products. We do that because we're tired of seeing businesses that keep letting bad operations kill their growth. Through change initiatives like creating innovation hubs, improving processes, and instilling technologies, we transform companies to perform better and grow faster. Our gift to you for listening is access to our free Intro to Artificial Intelligence guide. We hit on what is AI, where is it going, and how to get it into your business. Get that free guide at louderco.com slash intro to AI. We look forward to serving you. Visit us at louderco.com for more information, insightful content, and ways to schedule our first conversation. Thank you for listening and on to our show. All right, everybody, welcome to the show. Welcome to Dallas-based innovators presented by Louderco. I have a very special guest on the show today. I'm with Daniel Black, founder and CEO of Glass Media. You know, we're, we're going to talk a lot about what Daniel's doing at Glass Media. They're doing some amazing things. If you haven't heard about them, you know, they're, they have this insane technology that really turns storefronts into digital showcases. And I'm probably not even doing it justice, but you know, Daniel, you're going to have to talk to us more about that, but uh, really excited to have you here on the show.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me.
0: You bet, man. You bet. So you know, let's, uh, let's dive in. Let's just talk a little bit more. Talk to us a bit about just your overall background. I'll give us a one to two minute bio on Daniel.
1: <clears throat> sure. So I grew up in uh, Silicon Valley, California and attended Claremont McKenna College, dual majored in, uh, government and economics. Ended up going into marketing, uh, started a few startups in college actually. So I, uh, Gotten a custom glassware, custom shot glasses, fast food delivery, textbook exchange, all that type of stuff, and uh, founded Glass Media here in Dallas about five years ago. Nice. Uh, Since then, uh, I mentor for WeWork Labs, I mentor for the RevTech Accelerator, I just joined the Apparel Fashion Advisory Board at Auburn University. Wow. So. Roll Tide. Trying to to give back however I can, love working with students.
0: That's fantastic. Man, five years. So we were we were just talking a little bit about this before we started the show, like, uh, big congrats. Five years, you've got a hell of a startup. Um, I mean, it's, for one, you know, everybody should know the statistics by now. I think, what is it, 99% of all startups fail after five years or so? Something like that, And yep. so this is a huge hump for you, man. Congratulations.
1: Thank you very much.
0: You bet. Still, uh,
1: still a lot of journey left?
0: Oh but. of course. yeah, of course. Yeah you know, I mean it's just so hard sometimes a, a to get started, B to just build the momentum. We hear a lot about product market fit. and I think you know you get to that five year mark. To me, I think it's just so cool. you, you buck the trend and it's you've got a proven uh, business proven product. You know there's demand for it. And so I don't know, I've, I've got, kind of gathered just a, a huge amount of respect for entrepreneurs that make it to that point. So huge kudos to you. But uh, let's Thank talk you. a bit about how we met. So interestingly enough, when I first launched Louderco, it really was launched out of the Dallas Entrepreneur Center, known as the DEC. And the Deck spun off you know, a number of different locations. I started at the West End location, and then um, made my way over to the Addison Treehouse where I met a lady named Shelley, And I had no idea that the two of you were together <laughs> and ultimately engaged and now married. Yep. So congrats on that. That Thank is crazy. Much.
1: Yeah, one year next month actually.
0: All right, man, time flies. And then, um, you know, as I don't know if the folks uh, listening know, we're recording this in a WeWork location. We're at the WeWork Preston Center. And, um, you know, WeWork, it's a phenomenal place. I love it. It's allowed a lot of flexibility to, uh, to myself, the things that we're doing at Louderco, Co. Going to client sites, going into WeWork, but uh, you know, Shelley's uh, a big part of WeWork.
1: Yeah, absolutely. She's uh, the community uh, manager at the Victory Park location.
0: That's a great spot. It's right there by the AAC American Airlines Center. Everybody should check it out. Um, but then also our past our kind of networks cross again with Abby Fuqua. Shelly's older sister. Shelly's older sister. And so I met uh, Abby. Just uh, somebody told me, hey, you should meet Abby, grab coffee with her. So, you know, we've we've gotten coffee, gosh, I think every quarter, every, you know, six months or so, and just stay in touch. And she's been such a valuable resource. She's kicking butt over Amazing at Venturity networker. Partners. Isn't she?
1: Yep. She's doing really, really
0: yeah, well. Yeah, a great business. Um, I mean, th- everything they're doing is just phenomenal. But, you know, look to hear more. T- so you hit on, you, you started off in California. Okay. What brought you here to Dallas?
1: So I was actually born in Ottawa, grew up in Toronto, and then moved to Silicon Valley. Oh, wow. So I've, I've moved quite a bit. I originally did all the prototyping for Glass Media in San Diego back in 2012, 2013. And we realized pretty quickly that San Diego, if you're kind of outside of the biotech world, at least six plus years ago, it's not the best place for a startup. Mm. And I was kind of scarred from just the Bay Area for a number of reasons. There's a lot of ego, standard of living, right, it's extremely expensive. Didn't want to go back to the cold, Uh, head over to New York where a lot of retailers are. So my best friend from college, uh, Prashant Fonseca, was doing Teach for America with DISD, and ended up selling all my belongings, got in my car and moved in with Prashant in Dallas and the rest is history.
0: Unbelievable. That's cool. So um, when you moved in, what was that like? Are you living on the couch? Uh,
1: yeah, first on the couch. Yeah. I, uh, my family almost moved to Dallas when I was going into high school. So we spent probably a couple of weeks out here. Kind of loved the the notion of Southern hospitality. Oh, yeah. Uh, I could see myself fitting over here. So yeah, it was a number of years later, but it all worked
0: wow. out. So what do you think? How would the company be right now had you started it in San Diego?
1: So San Diego, there's really no retailers, okay. right, headquartered over there. There's a lot in Southern California, Los Angeles. I think uh, in terms of we've raised a lot of money from local angel investors. There's not a lot of retail-focused angel investors or venture capitalists in San Diego. So I think uh, ultimately just we probably would have run out of cash if we started over uh, there.
0: Okay, yeah. and that, that's a great point. I mean, Dallas is just – there's so much – diversity in the different types of businesses that are here, startups, fortune 500s, different industries, retail's huge here. Um, tell us a bit more about just your overall product, the service, the technology you're, you're utilizing. It's pretty revolutionary stuff. Um, it's uh, just kind of doing my research on you. The stuff that you've created it has taken a lot of research and development time and really a lot of perfecting. But and tell us a bit more about what it is that you're providing. And, you know, uh, you mentioned these retailers. How are they using it right now?
1: Yeah, so for us, uh, we took a hard look at the successes in omnichannel retail, kind of the seamless mm-hmm. shopping experience across online, mobile, and in-store, and very quickly realized that the storefront had been neglected. And we kind of view the physical storefront as a website. And at North Park, you have 27 million visitors a year. You have 72,000 people a day walking by storefronts. Wow. And for us, if you're not uh, you know, going for that wow factor, doing something highly unique and curated to really uh, drive walk-ins, drive engagement, build brand awareness, uh, we think you're missing the boat. And so we really now specialize in, like I said, highly unique uh, digital activations that really have three objectives for retailers. First is draw eyeballs and attention Second is walk-ins, and third is conversion. So it's all about how do we build excitement and get people yeah. inside the store.
0: So if I can kind of paint a picture for people listening, I mean, this is, it, let's say you're walking outside, you walk by, I'm, I'm going to pick on a, a store here, Fossil, and um, you know they'll have their, their glass storefront, but what you guys would be able to do is basically take, um, I'm probably butchering what the materials are, but this laminate that looks like a watch, Right, and then in the middle, basically the centerpiece of the watch would be a video that you guys are blasting your stuff onto, and it looks amazing, even in the daylight. Right? I mean, it's it's pretty. Yeah, it's uh, for us. It's all
1: about effective visual storytelling, right? Digital storytelling. Uh, For the watch, one, yeah, we put a we basically merge a vinyl wrap with our liquid crystal substrate, Mm. uh, meant for projection. And yeah, when you put the two and two together, suddenly you have. A digital smartwatch, the entire you know floor to ceiling in front of the storefront, and for Fossil alone, we've driven a double digit lift in store traffic. Incredible! So that's a, that's amazing. That's been a great success for us.
0: But I also noticed you guys provide kind of the end to end solution. So tell us more about that because I think it, it gives a lot of control back to the store, right? Yes,
1: yeah, so we started talking to a lot of retailers and realized over time that digital signage was a very fragmented market and it was made up of mostly digital science integrators. So they piecemeal off-the-shelf hardware software, bundle it together, call it quote-unquote turnkey, and try and sell a one-size-fits-all. Right. And what we've realized with retail, especially now with you know, all these new trends in uh, shops to showrooms, pop-up retail, direct-to-consumer marketplaces, everyone has a different story to tell and everyone has a different community, and you know, everyone wants a unique experience. And the biggest problem with flat screen TVs, like the one behind you, is we've been—you know—they came out in 1997. Yeah. And so people aren't phased by it. We don't look at them anymore. And this strategy of just throwing a TV in a storefront window doesn't work. And so we're really trying to, to change the way we we connect with the consumer.
0: Yeah, it drives a real wow factor. You know, you, you kind of hit on that earlier. But you know, if you, I've walked past these storefronts all throughout Dallas, and I'll I'll look at it, it's like, oh, there's Daniel's. That's, that's glass media, and it really does pop. But you know, how did you... And give us a bit of like the behind-the-scenes. Like, Talk a bit more about like the innovation or the process you take to get to where you are today.
1: Yeah, sure. So going back to kind of the fragmentation in the market, we realized to be successful, we need to be an end-to-end solution provider. So we actually developed our own line of liquid crystal substrates. So our films have the best optical clarity, color uniformity, and 170 degree uh, degree viewing angles. Which wow. is really, really important. Yeah, We did extensive R&D on brightness parameters. So our goal is, uh, we don't only really look at how many panes of glass, is it single, dual, or triple pane? We look at the amount of interior ambient light, exterior ambient light, and on top of that, if there's a tint on the window, if there's a low E coating, a triple silver coating, and that all factors into how many lumens per square foot, we need to compete with direct sunlight.
0: Dang. Yeah. I'm, so when you you mentioned the liquid crystal, what, it's, a, like yeah, a, it's a it's a formula it's a film, that right? we
1: can yeah we can make it into a film or we can talk about later. We're getting into projection based augmented reality where we now what? have spray <laughs> we have sprayable liquid crystal. Wow. Where we can uh, spray it on a mannequin, for instance, and bring a shirt to life, bring pants to life, uh, a piece of Mind luggage. For That's instance. insane. Wow. So yeah, we've uh, we found a lot of success with projection just because unlike a TV, we're not you know refined or we're not confined to a 69 aspect ratio, so a rectangle. We don't have to worry about bezels. We don't have to worry about brightness. And from a form factor standpoint, we can mount the projector straight against the ceiling in the middle of nowhere, and all we need is a standard one ten outlet. All we need is power. Wow,
0: and really any size, right?
1: Technically speaking, limit, right? yeah. yeah, so the opportunity cost of size is one budget and two form factor, right, so um, the brighter projector it gets, the bigger it gets, and it really just depends on your ceiling environment if, it, if it's kind of like we work where it's open ventilation, you can hide hardware a lot easier if it's like a, a coach or a Tiffany with a, a beautiful white drywall mm-hmm. ceiling it's much harder to kind of recess the hardware where it's where it's not visible uh, I see I, I got gotcha.
0: you okay, so then um, I mean, you mentioned you've been at this five years. Sounds like you've got a pretty extensive innovation process. What are some of the biggest challenges you're facing today as a business?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. So the first one is, uh, you know, we we take a look at retail budget cycles in general and kind of what's happening with this this store evolution. Right now, we we typically charge either a full CapEx for two to three-year engagements, and that's usually for new store build-outs where the budget's already there or we can charge an upfront implementation fee followed by a subscription. Our biggest challenge to immediate growth or, you know, rapid scale is we're moving towards digital science as a service, we're making it entirely opex. Right? Wow. So imagine saying, forget a $5,000 $15,000 upfront. Zero upfront, 500 a month for 36 months. And we're finding we have a lot of clients that have a, a lot of capex either because they have infusions of co-op or they just have a lot of OPEX. But the CAPEX for existing stores is just harder to find. Mm. So that's one thing we're, we're trying to address currently.
0: So what what do you wish you had known when you had started off on this journey? I mean, it's been five years. Looking back, what would you tell your younger self? Yes,
1: yeah, so that's a great question. I think uh, it's all about setting proper expectations with yourself, employees, and stakeholders. We were talking earlier about just how most of the companies you've heard of, Uber, Airbnb, WeWork, you know, most of them are 10 years old. And I think the problem with a lot of, you know, eager, hungry entrepreneurs is we think we're going to be an overnight success. Right. And we constantly have to pivot, adapt, and kind of reset expectations. So I think that's something I've learned over time. Um, It's something our employees have learned over time because everything takes a lot longer than you think it's going to take. So I think that's been a big learning for us is, uh, you know, Take it one day at a time. Focus on our quarterly KPIs, right? Success metrics, and just grow organically.
0: Yeah, that's huge. So you hit on some of the employees. How I find anyway, it's hard to find. For one, it's hard to find great talent. Um, we a lot of us assume the numbers on even just the, the employment rate here in in our country, and then here in Dallas in particular, it's it's sure it's phenomenal for uh, for employees, but a little bit hard for the employers. Uh, how are you finding top talent? What's uh, your process? What are the things you're looking for?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. That's one of the problems with Silicon Valley for me is there's not a lot of loyalty, right? A new company raises a Series C, offers a $20,000 sign-on bonus. People just leave their equity and they hop ship. Uh, here in Dallas, fortunately, you know, Nick, Lon, and Nate have been with me for over four years now, wow. Becca, almost two and a half years. I think for us at Really comes down to culture, you know. We do have unlimited PTO. Uh, you know, we pay people well. We have an employee bonus structure, like a team bonus structure, so wow. everyone has a piece of the pie. Uh, we give equity. We pay a hundred percent of benefits. Dang. So for that's us, phenomenal uh, for a startup. Yeah, and the reason we've been able to do it is we've just remained very scrappy. And so, you know, if, if we had hundred employees, it would be much more difficult to do. Right. Uh, We've really leaned on third parties for deployment, shipping, kitting, et cetera, et cetera, to really ensure that we can have this, you know, wonderful team with a lot of cross pollination, uh, you know, pollination. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we just we all really work well together and drive, and it's been great to see.
0: That's awesome, and it, it it's phenomenal that a you you know you've had such great loyalty with these these people. I imagine, I mean, they're rock stars to you. It means so much to you, and you're so willing to reward them for that. Uh, that's phenomenal. You mentioned culture. Like, I think um, a lot of companies, especially in the stage that you're in, really take that for granted. Um, they think it's just going to either happen on its own, or oftentimes they just don't care about it. You know, how, how do you look at culture? You know, is, are you pretty intentional about it, or you know, what's your approach to it?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's some of it is leadership style. Uh, I think the biggest thing for us is uh, work-life balance, mm-hmm. right? I had <clears throat> We have team members that have families mm-hmm. and kids. Uh, we have other people that have appointments they have to go to during the week. Uh, maybe it's a ba- basketball at the JCC, right? Um, Nate, yeah. Nate plays basketball. I think for most people, what we found is having unlimited PTO, people take a little bit more time off. But without asking them, they bring their laptops and they're always on call. Wow. And so you know most of the studies show that with unlimited PTO, people still take 15 to 20 percent more PTO, but you actually get more productivity, I would argue. and yep. we've that's definitely been the case for us.
0: And, and so for yourself, how have you found that balance as well? or have you found it? I mean it's it's a lot of work to, to get to this point where you're at.
1: Yeah, I mean, you definitely uh, become much better at handling stress. Uh, one thing I always, you know, like to think about is this this article by entrepreneur that mentions like the six silos of life and that you really only can focus at three at a time. And that's everything from, you know, health, right, diet, exercise, sleep, professional career, significant other, and family friends. And yeah, so true. If you map that out or plot it out over the last five years, you know, those top three things for me have been all across the board. Yeah. And so I think, uh, you know, you have to do a lot of uh, self-introspection. You know, I've definitely learned a lot about who I am as a person, how I deal with stress. Uh, I really enjoy my hobbies. Oh, that's good. Right? Um, so it's it's a it's a learning experience.
0: Yeah. What are some of those hobbies?
1: So for me, uh, I'm an avid cyclist. So I'm usually riding in Richardson, Plano on Saturday and up at White Rock on Sundays. Dang. I'm a big car guy. So yeah. I do a lot of work on my car and go to Cars and Coffee and play now. Oh, cool. Uh stuff like that.
0: I'm gonna have to take my son to that. He he's, would love it. He's four. Is is it okay for a four year old? Absolutely. Okay. And he is a fanatic about cars. Yeah, it's uh
1: it there's a lot of young kids there and you just yeah. see their eyes, you know, completely oh, open, okay. wide open, and it's yeah, definitely I'm have a good to take idea. Him to that.
0: I've started to use him as a almost like an analogy or a comparison for how machine learning works. <laughs> sure. Because like he'll look at a car and say, Daddy, is that a Ford Mustang? And so I'll kind of uh, teach him a bit. You know, Here are the attributes of a Ford Mustang. Sure. And then he'll see another car, and he's like, is that a Ford Mustang? No, no, it's not. Okay, so he logs all that, and then the next time he's like, Daddy, Ford Mustang! Yep. So he's learning, you know? And, and that's kind of like... You have to teach these machine learning algorithms almost in a lot of Absolutely. ways like you would a kid. Uh, and they they think very similarly. But, but anyways, I digress. Um, tell me a bit here. So what who's really influenced you either before you've gone on this journey or during your journey? Who can you point to as a, a key influencer for you?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So for me, I'd definitely say, you know, both my grandfathers were entrepreneurs. Uh, one was in like, uh, the automotive side of things. One was in the candy business. Uh, my father's a pediatric heart surgeon. Uh, he was super entrepreneurial. I think he holds like 13 patents. Wow. So I just kind of grew up around that. Um, and same thing with Silicon Valley. I mean, I grew up, uh, I was in high school during the Google IPO wow. where 1,000 millionaires created overnight in our neighborhood. Jeez. People were like knocking on people's doors and offering them 2X in cash for their houses. Wow. So just, uh, you know, Kind of a crazy place to grow up, but you definitely get the bug. All my friends' uh, parents worked in tech, right? So Oracle, I mean, every every company, Mm until you can name. So you're just surrounded by it. And over time, uh, I just became one of those people who's like, I want to do my own thing.
0: Incredible. I mean, you hear so much about just the environment around you influence you in so many ways. And when I ask this question, oftentimes, People point to other people as influence, but it's incredible you're pointing to the, the actual location where you were as really a, a big influence. And so uh, being around that, I mean, what did you take away from it?
1: Yeah, I mean, in a way I, I learned a lot of what I didn't want to do, mm-hmm. right? So uh, I care about loyalty, care about humility. Um, a lot of things that I haven't found in the Bay, I know some people have. So I think that was a good learning for me. Uh, same thing in college. I mean, I went to uh, Claremont McKenna, where the college uh, endorsed the entrepreneurs on campus and really helped them create their own businesses. And um, you know, that was really helpful. I, I was awarded Entrepreneur of the Year my senior year. Wow, so you one, go? Of, one of those kids with a terrible GPA that was just always <laughs> trying to, you know, hustle. Yeah. You
0: could say. Well, you showed them, right? You're uh, yeah. you're, you're showing them, right?
1: In a way, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it's interesting. I, I love talking with people about you know uh, intellectual curiosity versus like street smartness. And you know, I was never a book smart person, mm-hmm. um, but I'm a street smart person, right? And if you go interview a hundred entrepreneurs, we're all completely different people. Yep,
0: totally. So, are you doing anything right now to to learn anything new at this point?
1: Yes. Yeah, so for me, uh, you know, a couple of things I do. I I've joined probably ten or fifteen retail technology blogs. That I try to read with some type of routine on a weekly right. basis. One thing we did as well is uh, we actually started our own Gmail account where we probably added 20, 30 blogs, and we just have like 10,000 emails. and it's really helped us with sales, because if I have a meeting with h and m I'll just go type in H&; M. And unlike Google, which will oh, wow. you know Google will scrape and order by relevancy and popularity, mm-hmm. but not usually by year right? You might find an article from 2017. Yeah, yeah. When we do this on that Gmail account, it pops up to the thing that just happened last week. And that's
0: Uh, such a great hack.
1: Yeah, so we've... uh,
0: That's cool.
1: Yeah, we started it three years ago and it's been hugely helpful for us, Um, especially if you need to do something really, really quick. Yeah,
0: so a lot of your learning is really around the industry, staying up with the trends, what certain companies are doing. Absolutely. And how, so you mentioned it's helped with sales, like what is it, What's that like when you're in in that in the meeting, you know, having those that type of knowledge in your back pocket and how does that impact you?
1: So I think one of the reasons we've been really successful is, you know, everything we do is custom tailored. The bad news right the negative externality of that is it makes our sales cycle longer. The nice thing is that everything we do is super unique. Right. Right? We've kind of built a moat And we spent a lot of time with retailers actually trying to solve their problems. And so by the time we end up doing a pilot program or proof of concept, it's not to validate if our technology is scalable or reliable or stable. It's literally to say, yep, this is the solution we want to scale with, Um, or we want to invest it in all of our class A mall locations, our flagship stores, our specialty stores, et cetera, et cetera.
0: That's very cool. Now, I'm going to have to steal that hack you just shared. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, you, you got to start <laughs> it today because
1: really cool. it, it takes a while for that know, bet, email yeah. bank to, to build up. Yeah, but okay, so
0: how about let's move into our lightning round. All right, we're just going to move quickly through some I'm of these terrible questions. On the clock, but I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> There's no real clock we're, we're keeping track of here, but uh, let's, let's, get to, let's get to it here. All right, so what's your coffee of choice?
1: So that's one thing interesting about me. I do not drink coffee. Don't drink coffee. I can, uh, I'm a morning person, get yeah. up early, can go to bed. Not that late, actually. Yeah. I'm usually out by like 11. Uh, I like the taste of coffee. Routine. Yeah, my dad, you know, my dad's a physician. And when I was younger, he said, uh, if you don't need to get into caffeine, don't get into caffeine. Right. And yeah. And that just kind of stuck.
0: Yeah. My brothers always thought, like, if you need coffee to wake you up, what are you really living for? <laughs> but I, I don't buy that. I think he's trying to be tough.
1: Well, one thing I learned, uh, this was like first job out of college, I was working for uh, an ad tech company in San Diego, and the coffee machine broke, and every employee had to go to Starbucks, and I was the only one left in the office. Oh, my gosh. And that kind of, uh, yeah, that stuck
0: with me. That's a moment of pride right there, huh? Absolutely. Okay, so how about your adult drink of choice?
1: Definitely uh, old-fashioned.
0: Oh, yes. Very Love good. those. Okay, so you're, you're not into the coffee, but you're okay with, with the old-fashioned. Correct. Are you reading any books right now?
1: So I, I don't read much. Uh, I don't know if you know Andrew Schultz from Noise Aware here in Dallas. I don't. But, uh, he recommended I read a book called Influence the Psychology of Persuasion. Okay. And uh, I'm just starting that this weekend. You know, for, for most entrepreneurs, right, we're, we're raising capital, we're selling, we're wearing like 100 million different hats. Yeah. So I always love reading shorter books, easy reads, where I can just get a different perspective on something.
0: Uh, I'm with you. I, you should check out um, Randy Mayo has developed a, a rather interesting um, book synopsis. It's called the First Friday Book Club. He yeah. basically gives you like a, a fifteen minute synopsis and a summary on really um, popular business books, self-help books, uh, really all kinds of valuable books that could benefit business uh, leaders, entrepreneurs, and you can buy them on his website. Um, I'll have to attach the, his website to uh, the podcast notes to yeah, check I'll it, check out. it out. Yeah, I'll for sure. I'll, and I'll forward that to you. All right, so um, how about other podcasts? What are you listening to right now in terms of podcasts, if anything?
1: It's a good question. Uh, I mean, I know my wife really likes uh, how I built this. For me, uh, I'm a visual learner. I'm not the best auditory learner. Uh, and professional ADD gets in the way. Yeah. So for me, I, I'm one of those people that, you know, I get up early, I get home pretty late, and kind of when I get home, I just want to check out.
0: Yeah, just call it a night. Call it a night. Exactly. What about uh, any Netflix shows? Do you watch anything? Or you just yeah, we're watching uh, we're
1: watching New Girl right now. Okay. Uh, we watch a lot of reruns of like The Office, yeah. um, Friends, stuff like that. But again, Usually, even at home, might be checking the news. I read a lot of news. I love okay. foreign policy and economics. Yep. And we usually put things that are reruns in the background. Oh yeah. So we can just zone out and kind of it's almost like I white noise. Yeah.
0: You must be having fun with all the uh, the news centered around foreign policy right now. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I we probably won't get read that,
1: probably read ten or fifteen different sites a day. Yeah, so incredible. yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on. Yeah.
0: All right. So would you classify yourself as an introvert, or an extrovert?
1: So I'm a introverted extrovert. Oh so, man,
0: me too. Yeah, I. That's what my my wife says.
1: Yeah, if I uh, if I go to a networking event, someone comes up to me, I'm polished, I'm All energetic, right, you're ready to go. But uh, I'm not the one that wants to go up to anybody. And when I get home, I'm just a couch potato. Yeah,
0: I'm with you there. We gotta yep. stick together.
1: Hundred hundred percent.
0: What do you look forward to most each weekend?
1: Each weekend, other than a uh, quality time with with Shelley, of course, it's uh, yeah. riding my bike. Yeah. For me it's just a it's a de stresser I love going out around White Rock, usually by myself. Um just time to zone out a little bit, listen to some good music. Yeah.
0: And biking, it's uh something I've always thought about getting into. It looks it looks entertaining, it looks fun, looks uh you ever want to go riding. Yeah, let me really know. healthy. All right, I will. <laughs> I will. You'll kick my butt, that's fine. Not All a right, race. So um, just kind of closing up here, what's it like for a customer to work with you? How does somebody get started?
1: Yeah, so for our client engagement process, it's really anything related to digital transformation in the physical store, whether it's in-store experience or, or storefront experience. Uh, they can write us, you know, our, our website's digitalstorefront.com. Uh, they can write us at info at glass-media.com. For us, it always starts out with a discovery exploratory call, uh, sometimes a visit to, you know, a store of the future and in Innovation Lab. But for us, it's it's all about learning where their bottlenecks and pain points are and how we, how we can alleviate them. Got it. Sounds sounds simple enough. I wish it was a widget or a commodity. Okay? <laughs> no. And it's I mean, definitely it's, not.
0: It's a, it's a highly valuable uh, tool for these uh, retail stores. So, okay, for people living here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, where could they go to see your storefronts?
1: Yeah, so you mentioned Fossil earlier, which is headquartered here. They can go to North Park, Stormbrier, or Galleria. Um, we have stuff kind of just all over the country now. Wow. Um, it's interesting. I mean, most of our clients are in Columbus, Ohio, New York. Uh, not many in Dallas yet. We'll get there. Okay. Uh, but yeah, like I said, most are most are Columbus or New York.
0: Got it. And so uh, where where else can people uh, reach you? Um, Websites, social media, things like that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge user of LinkedIn. Uh, if people just want to look up Daniel Black, Last Media, shoot me a note. I'm usually pretty prompt in my responses. And of course, they can always go through you as well. (laughs) Of
0: course. Of course. Anybody come to me, gladly uh, make the introduction of Daniel here. And uh, to get to Glass Media, their website's www.glass-media.com. Daniel, thanks so much for your time today, man. We've learned a lot, and uh, I appreciate uh, the insights that you've shared today.
1: Of course. Thanks for having me, Andrew. You
0: bet. Take care. That's our show for today. We hope you took away something valuable. Be sure to visit Louderco at louderco.com for more. Thank you again and stay tuned for more from Dallas-based innovators.